0: This episode of the Ortho Bullets podcast will be a question session reviewing multiple choice questions related to distal biceps avulsions, which is one of the topics that we covered this past week on the podcast. So let's get right into it. The first question reads, a young healthy male undergoes a distal biceps repair and sustains an iatrogenic nerve injury during the procedure. Which of the following clinical findings are most likely to be seen in this circumstance? And the choices are one, inability to extend the thumb, 2. Lateral volar forearm numbness, 3. Inability to flex the middle finger, 4. Medial volar forearm numbness, and 5. Dorsal thumb numbness. The correct answer to this question is 2. Lateral volar forearm numbness. So the most commonly injured nerve during a distal biceps repair is the lateral antibrachial cutaneous nerve. Injury to this nerve would result in lateral volar forearm numbness. To quickly review, distal biceps avulsions can be partial or complete. Indications for surgical management include young, healthy patients who do not wish to sacrifice function as well as partial biceps avulsions that do not respond to conservative management. Repair of a distal biceps avulsion can be approached through either an anterior one-incision technique or a two-incision technique, otherwise known as a Boyd-Anderson technique. The one-incision technique uses the interval between the brachioradialis, which is innervated by the radial nerve, and the pronator teres, which is innervated by the median nerve, while the two-incision technique uses the same interval in addition to a second posterolateral elbow incision. The lateral antibrachial cutaneous nerve is the most common nerve injured during either approach. Kelly et al. retrospectively reviewed 74 distal biceps tendon repairs and found five sensory nerve paresthesias the lateral antebrachial cutaneous nerve was most commonly injured followed by the superficial radial nerve. Kane et al. retrospectively reviewed 198 distal biceps tendon repairs and found a 36% complication rate. Lateral antebrachial cutaneous nerve paresthesias were found in 26% while radiosensory nerve paresthesias were found in 6% and posterior interosseous nerve injury in 4%. Moving on to the next question, A 44-year-old left-hand dominant carpenter experienced immediate left elbow pain after trying to stop a heavy object from falling two days ago. On physical exam, he has ecchymosis in the distal arm and antecubital fossa. Physical exam also shows full strength with wrist flexion, wrist extension, and pronation, but notable weakness with supination of the forearm. Sensory exam shows no deficits in the forearm or hand. There is a negative milking maneuver test and a positive hook test. Radiographs are normal what is the next most appropriate step in management? And the choices are one, sling use as needed for comfort and progressive physical therapy, two, allograft reconstruction of the distal biceps tendon, three, ulnar collateral ligament reconstruction, four, distal biceps tendon avulsion repair, and five, brachioradialis and ECRB avulsion repair. The correct answer to this question is four, distal biceps tendon avulsion repair. So to quickly review, distal biceps tendon ruptures occur most commonly in middle-aged men and usually involve the dominant extremity. The mechanism of injury is usually a single traumatic event with eccentric force on the flexed elbow. Sutton et al. authored a level 5 review of distal biceps tendon ruptures. They discussed that non-surgical management of distal biceps tears is appropriate in the low-demand or medically ill patient. Surgical repair improves elbow flexion strength by 30% and supination strength by 40% compared to non-operative management. O'Driscoll et al. conducted a level two study examining the accuracy of the hook test for distal biceps rupture diagnosis. They found that the hook test was abnormal in 33 of 33, that is 100% of patients with complete biceps avulsions and intact in 12 of 12, that is 100% with partial detachments. Moving on to the next question what is the most common complication associated with the treatment of a distal biceps rupture with a suture button technique? And the choices are one, re-rupture, two, radio ulnar synostosis; three, posterior interosseous nerve injury, four, lateral antebrachial cutaneous nerve irritation, and five, radial fracture. The correct answer to this question is four, lateral antebrachial cutaneous nerve irritation. So among the reports in the literature, the most commonly noted complication associated with a suture button technique to repair a distal biceps avulsion is lateral antibrachial cutaneous nerve irritation. Rerupture, radial ulnar synastosis, and posterior interosseous nerve injury can occur but are not as common as lateral antibrachial cutaneous nerve injury. Moving on to the next question, MRI scans of a 45-year-old man who has had elbow and proximal forearm pain for the past eight months shows a partial tear of the biceps tendon. He can recall no specific trauma and symptoms have not lessened despite his adopting job modifications that limit lifting. He has discomfort with resisted elbow extension and pronation. The biceps tendon can be easily palpated. Treatment should consist of which of the following? And the choices are 1. Release of the lacertus and transfer of the biceps to the brachialis tendon. 2. Open detachment, debridement, and reattachment of the biceps tendon. 3. Anterior exploration and decompression of the posterior interosseous nerve. 4. Excision of the anterior intramuscular lipoma. And 5. Endoscopic debridement of the biceps tendon. The correct answer to this question is 2. Open detachment, debridement, and reattachment of the biceps tendon. So, the MRI findings of the patient in the question stem show a partial tear of the biceps tendon. In the setting of prolonged symptoms that are resistant to non surgical interventions like rest, physical therapy, and activity modification, surgical treatment is indicated. Exploration, debridement, and reattachment with one of a variety of techniques are the standards of care. There is no weakness in finger extension to suggest posterior interosseous nerve palsy in this patient transfer of the biceps would result in loss of supination strength, and endoscopic biceps tendon surgery is reserved for long head pathology. Moving on to the next question. A 45-year-old coach sustains a complete distal biceps tendon rupture at the elbow. Surgical repair is most indicated too, and the choices are 1. Restore full supination strength, 2. Restore full elbow flexion strength, 3. Restore full range of motion, 4. Improve cosmesis, and 5. Prevent degenerative changes of the elbow. The correct answer to this question is 1. Restore full supination strength. So the biceps is primarily responsible for supination of the forearm. The brachialis muscle is primarily responsible for elbow flexion strength. Failure to repair the distal biceps tendon will result in loss of 40% supination strength and 10% loss in flexion strength. Therefore, surgical repair of a complete distal biceps tendon rupture is most indicated to maximize supination strength. Improved cosmesis should not be the primary indication for surgical repair. Degenerative changes of the elbow have no bearing on whether the distal biceps is repaired or not. Loss of terminal extension is common in distal biceps tendon repairs. Moving on to the next question. A 40-year-old male was moving his furniture several days ago when he developed anterior forearm pain. On physical exam, he is tender just distal to the antecubital fossa. He has decreased strength on supination and elbow flexion when compared to the contralateral side. His MRI shows inflammation at the site of the biceps insertion on the bicipital tuberosity with some attached tendon fibers remaining. It also shows abnormally increased signal intensity and an increased diameter of the distal biceps tendon, compatible with a partial tear. His injury typically occurs in what portion of the tendon's distal insertion? And the choices are 1. Proximal, 2. Distal, 3. Central, 4. Radial, and 5. Ulnar. The correct answer to this question is 4. Radial. So the clinical presentation and MRI are consistent with a partial tear of the distal biceps tendon. Partial tears of the distal biceps tendon are rare and may be frequently misdiagnosed. It typically occurs in active middle-aged males and only a small number have been reported in the literature. Davis et al. published a case report showing that the tear is degenerative in nature and is located along the radial border of the bicipital tuberosity where spurring has occurred. This was confirmed by Kelly et al. who found the same partial tear pattern and described a surgical technique to repair it through a single incision posterior approach. Moving on to the next question. A 45-year-old male laborer injured his right elbow trying to catch a heavy object. He has antecubital pain and forearm ecchymosis. MRI scans show a complete rupture of the distal biceps at the radial tuberosity. Non-surgical management of this injury is most associated with loss of, and the choices are 1. Forearm supination strength, 2. Forearm pronation strength, 3. Elbow flexion strength, 4. Elbow extension strength, and 5. Wrist extension strength. The correct answer to this question is 1. Forearm supination strength. So complete ruptures of the distal biceps typically occur at the radial tuberosity. Proximal retraction causes visible deformity and is associated with both pain and weakness in the acute setting. Due to the presence of the brachialis, elbow flexion strength returns to near normal. However, forearm supination strength remains weak with non-surgical management. With surgical management, iatrogenic injury to the posterior interosseous nerve is a concern during exposure of the radial tuberosity. This complication would result in weakness on wrist extension. Moving on to the next question. A 35-year-old carpenter has pain in the antecubital fossa that is worse with turning a screwdriver. He has undergone non-operative treatment for six months without relief. On physical examination, his hook test is normal and there is pain and weakness with resisted supination. Radiographs are normal, and a cross referenced axial and coronal T2 MRI demonstrates increased signal and partial distal biceps tendon tearing. The next most appropriate treatment is, and the choices are 1. Exploration of the radial tunnel, 2. Superficial radial neurectomy, 3. Detachment and repair of the biceps tendon, 4. Transfer of the biceps to the brachialis, and 5. EMG with nerve conduction study. The correct answer to this question is 3 detachment and repair of the biceps tendon. So while complete traumatic rupture of the distal biceps is more common, partial tears have been reported in the literature. The most common presentation is pain in the antecubital fossa, worse with resisted supination. Conservative management consists of NSAIDs, splinting, and physical therapy. The distal biceps hook test is helpful in detecting full thickness distal biceps tears but not partial tears. In one study by Vardakas et al., Seven partial distal biceps ruptures were treated with surgical debridement and reattachment with all patients reporting a significant decrease in their pain. Transfer to the brachialis improves flexion strength but not supination. Ramsey et al. present a review article on distal biceps tendon injuries. They state that the most successful management of partial distal biceps tears that have failed conservative management is to surgically treat it like a complete rupture with release and surgical reattachment of the distal biceps to the radial tuberosity. And moving on to the final question, a 42-year-old male has a suspected distal biceps rupture with a tendon that can be palpated but is painful during the hook test examination. Which of the following is the most appropriate next step? And the choices are one, operative exploration of distal biceps tendon, two, immobilization for three weeks followed by repeat physical examination, three, early physical therapy with emphasis on range of motion and strengthening, four, CT scan, and five, MRI scan. The correct answer to this question is five, MRI scan. So it's important to distinguish between complete and partial tears as it guides treatment decisions. Classic physical exam findings of complete tears include antecubital pain and ecchymosis, non-palpable distal biceps tendon with an abnormal hook test, proximal retraction of the biceps muscle, and weakness with supination and flexion. A partial tear often has a normal hook test but has pain with the examination. An MRI is most appropriate for confirmation of a partial distal biceps rupture, while an MRI is not always required for a complete tear if the exam is conclusive. The reference by Vardakis et al. reports a series of patients initially treated with conservative management for their partial biceps tendon tears. They were all then treated with operative fixation secondary to recalcitrant pain. They note significant improvement in pain at an average of 31 months in all 7 patients without any complications noted. That's all for this question review session about distal biceps avulsions. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets. The free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.